0: Steeler fans, there has been some position battles going on at the UPMC Rooney Sports Complex these past couple of weeks for OTAs and the Pittsburgh Steelers. I know it's football and shorts, but don't tell those guys that out there. I'm sure that, you know, those guys that are fighting for their jobs, fighting for their livelihood, fighting for a position on the team. I'm your host, Daniel J. This is a Steel Curtain Network show. This is State of the Steelers where today we're going to be talking about those position battles. Uh, we're going to be talking about individual positions of interest, so to speak, that we think that are up in the air, so to speak. But before we get started, I want to remind you guys that if you guys aren't checking out on the YouTube side, um, you know, Still Curtain Network on Mondays, just in two days, 5 p.m. Eastern, live. Still Curtain Network, myself, Shannon, Wyatt, we come out on a show called The Hangover where we give you y'all Steelers remedy over a weekend of bliss or sometimes uh, a little bit too much, you know, and the Steelers don't do too well. It's a hangover. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's bad. You got to go check it out. We are live 5 p.m. Eastern still Curtain Network on YouTube. So there's been a lot of brewing of a uh, up and coming defensive back rookie defensive back coming out of OTAs last couple of weeks. And it's not Joey Porter Jr. There's been a lot of talk coming out about seventh round cornerback Corey Trice, who a lot of people were thinking, or, you know, after the draft, that this was a steal of a draft. There's uh, a steal player in the draft, that this was a guy that fell to the seventh round, possibly because of some medical issues that he had had earlier in his collegiate career. Um, But somebody that, you know, could potentially be. A guy, a little bit raw, but somebody that could develop develop into a solid cornerback in the league. Well, apparently he had had a pretty good day on Thursday. Uh, According to safety, DeMonte KZ confirmed that Trice had three pass breakups and two interceptions. One interception was called back because of a defensive pass interference on Trice. However, KZ didn't quite agree with that. You know, um, I'm not sure who the quarterback was that was throwing these plays or what the uh, the situation was behind it. Um, but from what I understand, the interceptions came on back-to-back plays, you know, and uh, one of them was called back due to a pass interference. You know, that's what you want to see out of this cornerback. You know, keep your head high. You know, you, you thought you got an interception, you got called back. You know, that can feel pretty, you know, Detrimental, you know, and especially in a young player's mind. You know, they did something right, they showed up, and you know, all their hard work and shown for nothing. And now you're 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 back lining up for the next play. You got to forget that thing. You got to keep your head high and, and be confident in your abilities and then go show up again on the very next play, which is what this kid did. So I'm excited about this. You know, I'm excited about him. I'm excited about what he's gonna be able to bring in time. I don't think that Trice is going to be a guy that is going to show up or show out to the point where he's going to be week one starter. Even if he continues to impress, I think the Steelers will probably keep a leash on on Trice for a little bit, um, you know, and allow Patrick Peterson and Levi Wallace to mentor these guys and and to grow them. You know, now coming out of Otezo is that Joy Porter Jr., you know, got some first-team reps at the end of this week. You know, they would have basically put in Patrick Peterson into the slot and allow um, uh, JPJ to go out there in the outside alongside Levi Wallace. Now, the slot cornerback position was a position that we've all been kind of curious about. You know, you've had Cam Sutton and Arthur Marlett, who – kind of rotated in the position uh, last season, um, both. And you also had, you know, Trey Norwood and a bunch of other guys kind of rotated in that position once Cam Sutton became a, uh, more of a outside cornerback lock, but in the previous years, you've always had Cam Sutton, you know, kind of rotating in the slot position. You recently had Arthur Mallette. Those two guys are no longer on the team. It's been a big question mark, you know, who's going to be taking that position. Um, there was an acquisition here recently, uh, Chandler, I believe, or Chandler, uh, forgive me for his name. Most recently, I believe he was with the Vikings. Um, he played with Patrick Peterson. So he doesn't have the highest, you know, grade out there when it comes to the slot. A lot of folks weren't too impressed. They ended up picking him up during the draft. Um, Ah, folks weren't too impressed with his ability. I mean, you look at PFFs, he's not much better than Arthur Molette. And so there's been a lot of concern about who's going to be in that slot position. And apparently it looks like um, Patrick Peterson is going to be moving into that position sometimes. And, and you know, that which will allow Joy Porter Jr. to be elevated to the first team. Now, there wasn't, you know, a lot of stuff that was coming out as far as, you know, any any big noise or things of that nature coming outside of or out of OTAs from JPJ, uh, which could be good news. You know, no news is good news. You know, Nobody's saying he's got burned or anything like that. You know, he hasn't come down with an interception, I don't believe. There's a possibility they haven't even thrown at him. So we don't know. But when it comes to Patrick Peterson uh, moving into the slot, you know, he had some encouraging things to say. You know, um, you know he said – after practice, that he felt like the uh, the inside guy is the most protected. Uh, well, I'm quoting him here. He says, "You're close to the linebackers. You've got a middle field safety. You're basically just playing your leverage and funneling the receiver to where you're not covering. Just understand where your help is. For me, it gives me the ability to play even slower, than the outside. You know, and Peterson being a guy that's, you know, on, on the wrong side of 30. We'll Leave it at that." Um, Chandon Sublin. There we go. That's the other individual's name that I couldn't couldn't think of his name. I apologize for that. Um, I digress. And so you know, you have somebody like Patrick Peterson, who's on the opposite side or the wrong side of thirty. You know, a guy that had some blazing speed. You know, in his early playing days, who maybe perhaps has lost some of that. You know, if he can go into a position where he can feel comfortable, and it's just because of the game is a little bit slower than what it is on the outside, and and he doesn't have to have that, you know, extra step there, and then perhaps this could be a really really good move for him and for the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, the slot receiver usually isn't the uh, receiver one most of the time, but even if it is, um, there's been times where the Steelers ended up having a linebacker or a safety over a wide receiver, one in the slot. It's been a uh, bit of a mismatch. If it ends up being Patrick Peterson, you're not in dire need. Now, and we'll talk about this player a little, you know, in the second half when we get to the offensive battles. But Patrick Peterson got to play against uh, uh, a certain slot receiver uh, in Calvin Austin and got a, got a taste of what. Calvin Austin can bring to the, um, to the table, so to speak. So Patrick Pearson on his all things covered podcast with Brian McFadden, you know, we're talking about Calvin Austin speed and how he got a, uh, you know, how he quoted saying that that joker's fast, you know, uh, basically the scenario was, uh was that he was taking on Peterson one-on-one on on seven versus seven session. Right. And that the play was mandating Peterson to press Austin at the line of scrimmage. The two lined up on the outside. So this, you know, this wasn't in the, uh, in the, you know, slot position or anything like that, but um, this is a player that has been seen playing slot time. And so, um, they were playing seven V seven session and, you know, the two lined up on the outside. And so um, Pat Peterson says, all I know is he's a little guy and he's on the outside. If he's a little guy on the outside, he must have got some wheels. I've never seen him in action. He made a little move. He may have gotten an arm length ahead of me, but end up. Uh, but I ended up giving him one of my tug and pulls to get me back in position to make the play. That's a quote from Peterson. And this is a pass that there was a lot of rumors that came out in the first week of OTAs that um, there was a ball thrown to Calvin Austin that he was unable to get to and went incomplete, but that he uh, demonstrated his speed, so to speak. And so this was the play. And I had gotten word that Calvin Austin had a burn, Patrick Peterson. (laughs) But, you know, like I said, Patrick Peterson is a a guy that's been in the league for a very long time. And he even goes on to say that, you know, he's thought he talks about how in the film room, Coach Grady Brown, you know, told everybody that they all owe Pat P an apology. that they didn't tell him that um, 19 Calvin Austin had wheels, uh, wheels like this. And. Um, <laughs> Patrick Peterson replies, says you dang right, y'all owe me an apology. I'm I mean you're 13, got a million miles on the tires, and y'all didn't even tell me this man runs a 4-2. And so, you know, he talked about you know having to do some of those little veteran slight tug of the jersey that the referee wouldn't see to get in position, but that, that guy had some wheels and, and it was good to move. And so, you know. Him moving into the slot and not having to worry about something like that, like, you know, those go routes without having safety help and things like that is probably the best for his career, for the Steelers, and puts Patrick Peterson in a good position to really elevate this team. And, you know, one of the things that came out of OTAs uh, this first week or, or this last, you know, you know, Thursday or so was that the uh, the defense ended up with five turnovers. Five turnovers, you know, they were on fire. Um, you know, you had a couple of interceptions. Uh, DeMonte KZ had a tip ball that ended up in his hands. You had the trice interceptions. Uh, Elijah Reed ended up, uh, you know, causing a, um, a, a a fumble when he came behind one of the offensive players and and knocked the ball out, and the and, and defense was able to recover. And you know, that's what was reported, um, what the other, you know, turnovers were. I'm sure those things have come out in time, but it was reported that there was five turnovers. And that was a big thing because prior to the defense going out there onto the field, they uh, apparently were showboiling to the offense, telling them that they were going to get five, five turnovers that day. And apparently they did so. Now, another player that was showing up and impressing early at Steelers OTAs is Mark Robinson. Now, Mark Robinson is a guy that ended up having an interception against Kenny Pickett, as it was reported. Um, Robinson said about the interception that it, it came to him. He took advantage of the opportunity. It was a ball-aware play. Um, when he, <laughs> The interesting about it, thing about it was when he was asked you know, if he knew who threw the ball, he says, I only see helmets and numbers. I can care less about who throws it. I'm here to play against anybody who shows up. Nameless gray faces. I love that because that is a Steelers that is a Mike Tomlin quote that's mindset the whole 9 yards. And you know Robinson is a guy that you know played late last season and you know his first game in maybe perhaps because the opposition wasn't you know prepared for him he he, he showed up he pulled out a little bit. You know last two games after that he um it, it wasn't a liability but he wasn't you know was He was you can tell he was still a little bit raw. And this was a guy that, you know, was a seventh round pick, a guy that had a position change. You know, he was a running back going to middle linebacker and, you know, he can carve himself out a role, you know, in year two of the NFL and um, really show up, especially now that like a guy like Cole Holcomb, who is a starter and is probably going to be the expected starter there in the middle linebacker, the green Dot guy. He's the guy that the Pittsburgh Steelers paid. You know what I mean? They they gave him a three-year deal. Uh, This is the guy that the Steelers are probably wanting to be, you know, the next great middle linebacker for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And he's, you know, they're going to have to work him in. Similar to like what happened with Larry Ogunjobi last year with his, um, you know, ankle injury going into training camp and OTAs and they, Allowed him to they, they eased him in, so to speak. The same thing with Cole Cole Holcomb. He's, you know, it's coming off of an injury as well that's ended his season last year. Um and so they're gonna be kind of you know easing easing him in. And so the opportunities right now are, are much bigger and broader for a guy like uh, Robinson. And so he needs to take advantage of these opportunities and going out there and intercepting your starting quarterback, in my opinion. Is, you know, is one way to show up. And then, you know, having the attitude behind it, the nastiness and and that Steelers way, so to speak, and being, you know, that confident to say, it's nameless gray faces, I don't care who it is, you know, knowing that you're going to have to go back out there in the near future and go up against that man again, multiple times, and, you know, we'll just say like this, There's, there was, I think it was Devin Bush, <laughs> uh Devin Bush said that uh Big Ben came out there and just picked him apart. Now, after seeing what Devin Bush's career ended up being with the Pittsburgh Steelers, that may not be a surprise. But, you know, at the time, you know, his rookie year and, you know, there was some promise at the end of his rookie year, even going into his second year and up until the point where he ended up with the uh, the knee injury. Yeah, he was looking like he could be a guy. And, you know, um, he picked him apart. You know, Kenny Pickett maybe sees this headline and says, "All right, Martin, let's see what you got. Let's put it to the test. See if he can do it again." And I, I think that he's he's definitely up for the um, he's up for the the challenge, so to speak. You know, in the la- in the last position battle on the defensive side that we'll talk about before we go over to the next side and talk offensively is going to be that outside linebacker position. You know, the Steelers go out there and they end up signing a guy like Marcus Golden, a veteran, a guy that, you know, put up some consistent numbers throughout his career, a guy that um, you don't fear the drop off so much like you did last season with a guy like Jameer Jones and Malik Reed when, you know, TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith had to take a break or when both of them weren't on the field. It was there was a huge drop off on the outside linebacker position. The Marcus Golden there coming in, you don't feel so much um, of a drop off. You're also going to have uh, Nate Herbig, the uh, fourth round rookie out of Wisconsin. That's uh, the Steelers drafted uh, to be an outside edge guy, outside linebacker as well. And you also have uh, you know Quincy Roche. Quincy Rocher is a guy that the Steelers signed back in or drafted. I'm sorry, back during the uh, COVID years. And when things were a little bit different, you know, and he um he recently came out and talked about how those things were different and maybe perhaps um, didn't work in his favor, so to speak, you know, coaching, everything was Zoom, couldn't, you know, really participate with things and he ended up going to New York for a couple of years. And he felt that those two years were were solid for him and his career and that he's excited to show what he has, you know. So when it comes to that outside linebacker position. You know, uh, opening after T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith, you know, Quincy Roche is a guy that says, "Hold up, wait a minute, don't, don't, don't look past me." You know, uh, and this is a quote that he had stated. He goes, "Absolutely, I think I'm a better version of myself now than I was with the Steelers the first time. I think you can see it all around, maturity, not just as physically but mentally. My maturity, skill-wise, I've seen it and I put it to the test. I've seen what works and what doesn't." I can't wait for the chance to show it. And so, you know, when it comes to Quincy Roche, you know, he was a guy that the uh, was expected to go probably in the third round of that draft ended up being selected by the Steelers in the sixth round. You know, Steelers probably wanted to keep him around. They ended up keeping Jameer Jones that year and tried to stash Roche on the practice squad. Didn't work out. New York picked him up and ended up being a starter throughout a couple of games that year. And, you know, The Steelers struggled with (laughs) outside linebackers. Um, And so, you know, him coming back and getting this opportunity again, and just, you know, maybe perhaps this time around going through the OTAs and and then training camp and not being in a COVID setting, uh, perhaps maybe he'll be able to show the Steelers what he's capable and willing to do uh, out there on the field this upcoming summer. So I'm looking forward to it. That's the uh, position battles that um, we're going to be talking about on the defensive side. Uh, When we come, we're going to take a a quick break for a word from our sponsors. But when we get right back, we're going to be talking about the offensive position battles. You don't want to go anywhere. We'll see you on the other side. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Hey, check it out. You made it to the other side. Welcome back to State of the Steelers. I'm Daniel J, your Steel Current Network host, where today we're talking about position battles early on in OTAs. And like I mentioned in the first opening app, I get it. It's football and shorts, but you don't want to tell that to these men. These guys are working hard to prove themselves in any form or fashion by any means, by any metric, by any inch, mile, whatever you want to call it, uh, that they are better and or should be the starter or have a roster spot on this team. And so it starts off with OTAs. It starts off with showing what you've prepared, what you've learned, what you've, you know, your body that you've trans you know, if you've transformed it, you know, since the last time that the Pittsburgh Steelers had seen them. Uh, and it's time to, you know, also see, start to see where the Steelers are going to be making some changes. You know, you have, I believe it's 18 starters returning. I don't think that a, there will be 18. You know, by the time it's all said and done and the ball is kicked off, you know, against, against the uh, San Francisco 49ers come week one of the 2023 season, that those 18 starters from last year will, will still be starting. And it starts off; those battles starts off now. No tas. And on the you know first half of the show, we talked about the defense. Second half, let's talk about the offense. You know, the first position battle that everybody wants, you know, is really interested in, and and want to know when or where it's going is going to be the left tackle position. You know, when it comes to uh, the Steelers going into this draft, picking up a guy like. Um, Broderick Jones out of Georgia moving up to the 14th um, overall selection in the first round uh, trading with New England Patriots uh, getting in front of the New York Jets who are clearly clearly looking to protect Aaron Rodgers. I don't care what their social media page is trying to say by saying that they uh, had their guy McDonald over um, over uh, Broderick Jones or whatever the case may be. I guarantee you if that trade don't go down. Christian Gonzalez goes to the Patriots and Broderick Jones is still available at 15 when uh, the Jets are, 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 are up and he's gone. He is definitely gone. And so, you know, the Steelers got to go up there. They got their guy and they did so. You don't go do that for somebody that you don't anticipate to start right away. You know, I think that the philosophy of what the Steelers want to do is going to be the same, even though the general manager isn't. So, you know, we've looked at what the Steelers have done in the past, and they've typically wanted to draft three starters, especially in the first three rounds. And I think that the Steelers, you know, definitely have accomplished that. And, you know, you're looking at Broderick Jones being the the headliner of that, you know, the top guy moving up in the draft top 15 pick it's going to be very difficult for me to see that he's not going to be the uh, week one starter and i think the writing is on the wall and And, and dan moore has known that for such so some for some time Now dan moore is one of those guys that has transformed his body that has come in you know a lot of people said that he looked a little bit lighter but he weighs a little bit more which kind of leads me to believe that he ended up packing on a little bit of muscle muscle weighs more than fat so you know if you look thinner feel heavier and more solid. And that's probably what ended up being the case. Um, And so, you know, he, he's gotten more uh, athletic and, you know, stronger and he did what he needed to do. He's not going to give up his position just because the Pittsburgh Steelers went out there and drafted somebody of his position. And so up to this point, you know, he's been starting, you know, taking first team reps. Uh, but as the uh, week progressed, um, Roderick Jones has started to take uh, some of those first-team reps. And the interesting thing about it is they're not just, you know, putting Dan Moore in the second-team reps. They're they're having him take reps with the first team on the right side. They're having him move over. So I think that might actually be where the real position battle ends up being is going to be who's going to be the right tackle between Dan Moore and Cole for. You know, if there was no battle there per se, then why would they why would they move Dan Moore to Chukes' side when Jones is there? Why not just play Dan Moore with the seconds? And so that tells me that there's that is a real position battle. And I think that you know, Dan Moore came out saying that he was practicing throughout the entire offseason, working on his craft, trying to hone it in on the right side. Now, when Dan Moore was drafted, um, he during OTAs and, and and spring ball he was playing primarily on the right side. You know, it wasn't until you know they found out that uh, Zach Banner wasn't going to be healthy enough to come back and 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 play ever again, apparently, um, of that he transitioned to the left side and became the starter for the last two years. So. You know, moving to the right side isn't something that's completely alien to him. He'll be fine moving and transitioning. You know, it's getting back up to speed and 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 getting that muscle memory down on your body moving and and your hands getting in position and things like that, that I feel that is what he's probably try to get a, uh, a, you know, an early step on this offseason, which is kudos to him. It's good for him. You know, um, there's two different sets of attitude here. You know, you have a Dan Moore who is like, all right, you know, I'm going to go do what I need to do and, you know, to stay on the field, to show that I'm going to play, to show that I'm willing to do what it takes to, uh, you know, for the success of this team. And you got a guy like, you know, Kevin Dotson, who honestly is, you know, he's come out and done a couple of interviews and is, sounds a little sour about the fact that, you know, the Steelers go out there and get an Isaac Salmwell, You know, and basically he's been moved to the second team like there's no rotation there, (laughs) not like there is with Dan Moore. And so I I honestly think that when it's all said and done, that we're going to have a uh, Broderick Jones on the left tackle position. And he's going to have to be up for a challenge going up against uh, Nick Bosa, uh, Miles Garrett and then Max Crosby, you know, the first three weeks of the NFL season, first three opponents of his to start his NFL career are some pretty heavy hitters. So we'll see if he's got what it takes. And if he goes in there and he's able to be successful against those men. Wow. And well, we got ourselves a guy. You know what I'm saying? But, I, but like I said, the real battle, in my opinion, when it comes to this positioning here, it's going to be on the other side. It's going to be Dan Moore versus Chuk four And I don't know. I don't know who's going to win that battle. But, you know, iron sharpening iron, whoever comes out victorious out of this, you know, um, this fight, in my opinion, is just going to be better than what they were when they started training camp or ended last year. And they're going to make each other a better players. Now. Another battle that everybody's maybe not so much interested in because it's not for a starting position, but if something were to happen to the starter, uh, it's going to make everybody very interested and maybe a little bit more worrisome. But, yeah, you know, it's for the backup center position. Mason Cole seems to be the guy. He seems like he's going to be the starter going forward, which, you know, there shouldn't be any question about that given his performance last season. Um, you know, I thought he did fantastic last year. Um, he filled in the role appropriately. He was dealing with a bun with a leg injury that was nagging throughout the second half of the season. And he was tough enough to stick it out there and go out there. And, you know, and I strongly believe that if he was slightly healthier, he probably would have been even better than what he was, maybe even Probo ish. So, um, you know, I thought Mason Cole did a fantastic job, but comes, who, who is going to back him up if he does go down? You know, who's going to be coming in? Uh, Spencer, uh, Spence Anderson is a guy that Cedar's drafted late that has the ability to play center. Nate Herbig is a guy that has the ability to play center. Um, you also have James Daniels and and, and, and Isaac Sayumalu that have played the position before in their past. But those guys are starters as guards. You know, I think that if Mason Cole goes down, I don't, know, I don't know if you want a complete shuffle of your entire offensive line and having, you know, not just one new player in there, uh, but then also a new player plus players in different positions. It doesn't 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 sound like a successful formula for me. And so you you want to have a backup um, that can fulfill the position. You know, admirably, you know, we know that he's not going to be a starter because if he was, then he would be. Um, But you you're hoping that you can, you know, the, the player that you're bringing in, you're not having to do too much shuffling along the other side of the offensive line to put the best five out there. And so the Steelers, I think, are aware of that. They're aware of the depth. They went out there and they got things. But from all indications, it looks like former center Kendrick Green is winning that, you know, center number two position. You know, if you're going in there and you're looking at OTAs, he's been pretty much taking majority of the snaps with the, with the number twos as, as the center. And, you know, I think that it's – if he ends up being the only guy that can – you know, that's snapping or the center for this team, that means you know, not only is he going to make the 53 this year, but he's probably going to suit up you know, being the only backup center. And so we might be seeing 53 back on the field or at least on the sideline for a while, um, which is a little bit worrisome because I didn't think – I don't i don't think he's a good center. No offense, man. I just – you know, maybe – th- there are certain things about it that you just can't coach. He can't coach size. You can't coach length. And those are things, in my opinion, that are what's preventing him from being – you know, a, a great center in the NFL or a great football player is he's in a position that he's just not there and don't seem like he's going to be playing fullback anytime soon. But well, then again, you never know. Maybe they'll throw him in there. If, if he's suited up, well, he'll have an opportunity to play fullback. Uh, I know that they were using him in that position early on just to kind of see what he can do or whatever. But who knows? But you know, here's some um, quotes that that he had, he stated that he was, oh, he's just doing what they tell, tell me to do. You know, that's what I have to do to be on the team. That's what the coaches want me to do. So that's what I'm doing. You know, and, and I mean, it's not a bad quote from Kendra Green. You know, he's like, they told me what to do. It's, you know, I'm going to do what I have to do to the team. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's it's not like Devin Bush, where he was like, I'm still going to be in the league regardless. And he's not talking about other teams like, Kendrick, uh, like uh, Kevin Dotson is. Uh, another quote he said was, at this point, I just have to do what I have to do. Hopefully one day I get an opportunity to get in there. I'm not wishing nothing bad on Mason or anyone, but that's just where we are right now. Uh, now, this this next quote I really didn't like from Kendrick Green he goes, I just feel like I'm a year two player. Last year, I felt like a rookie again playing guard in the NFL for the first time. Uh, it's my second year playing center. It's really year three. I just have to deal with it. It is what it is. It sounds a lot of like, woe is me kind of stuff and kind of feeling sorry for myself, you know, and and that last one was a little bit of excuses like, oh man, I'm really a year two guy, even though last year was my year two. Like, man, just get out there and show it. Just be a stealer. You know what I mean? I got I don't know. I just I don't like this type of talk. That's just me personally. But you know, this is a guy that probably, uh, hopefully won't see the field this year. And if he does, oh God, start praying, y'all. <laughs> um, and so the last thing that I wanted to talk to you guys when it comes to position battles is going to be Calvin Austin. You know, it looks like he's going to be doing some things. Calvin Austin is going to be playing in the slot. He's going to playing outside. Um, it also seems like he's been the punt returner. You know, with the new rule on the kick returners, uh, or for kick returners being that you know you just fair catch the ball and um, you know the ball will go out to the twenty-five. I think they're pretty much eliminating that. Now that's been the biggest, I guess, worrisome when it comes to Calvin Austin is that he hasn't done a lot of kick returns. You know, he he's done some interviews as well, and and he's spoken up stating basically that he feels like, um, and this is his quote, you know. Uh, When it comes to being a kick returner or or whatever he goes, I feel like if you're a playmaker uh, and you have the ball in your hands, you can do whatever a punt is harder is the harder one. And I did that all the way back since high school. I have great confidence in catching and tracking the ball. Kick return is an easier catch and a different way of how you read running lengths and all of that. But I pride myself on knowing a lot of football and learning. If I have to do kick return, I will prepare and be confident for that. And so um, you know, you, you have Gunnar Olszewski that's still on the team. That's probably, you know, your backup plan. If, if Calvin Austin can't figure it out, but if he does end up getting an understanding it, and like I said, they're kind of, you know, phasing that aspect of the game out, uh, you would expect, or, or at least think that he's going to be able to catch the ball and, you know, just catch it for the majority of the times, uh, you know, I don't really like this rule. I feel like it's kind of taking this part of the or aspect of the game out. Um, but in this situation here, I think it might end up being a benefit for the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, not having to keep a gunner Ocheski just because um, you know, his kick return ability, which ended up failing the Pittsburgh Steelers last year. I mean, it was his return ability that ended up giving the win to or the lack thereof giving the win to New England when he when he uh, fumbled the ball, which you know the Steelers have that game they're at least in the dance as far as the playoffs go playoffs go last year. You know what I'm saying? And so um, really, you know, that phase, of the, that phase of the, of, of, uh, of the team, special teams is just as important as the other ones. As you can see uh, one situation in one game can really cost you in your season. You know, it's not the only thing that cost the season for the Pittsburgh Steelers, but it still has its importance and it's, And it's still magnified when you end up doing things that cost games. And, you know, Austin, like we talked earlier, he ended up, you know, showing his speed against Patrick Peterson. Um, You know, I've seen a lot of clips of him playing out, you know, practicing out there in OTAs at the uh, UPMC Rooney Sports Complex. And he looks fast, man. He looks like he's got his speed back. I know that was a little bit of a concern. For folks is that, you know, having a foot issue on a, on a guy that is, you know, predominantly his best skill set is his speed it is a big concern. And it looks like by all means that he's come back. He's going to be a, a good fit for the Pittsburgh Steelers moving forward. And uh, I'm liking what I'm seeing. I'm liking what I'm seeing about this team. I think this team is going to surprise some people. If you guys are betting people, I'd go put some money on the, on the over for the Steelers. You know, that... Um, the likelihood of them winning the division, that bet there is looking pretty good too. Um, but that's all I got for you guys today. I want to thank everybody for for tuning in and remind you guys that I'll be on the Hangover uh, Monday with uh, with Shannon White. You don't want to miss it. So until then, y'all, we'll see you then. Uh, go check out all the other podcasts on Still care Network. You know, Let's Ride from Jeff Hartman. Bad language, Brian Anthony Davis. Uh, you know you have the Stack Geek with the Schofield. Um, you all, you also have uh, the homies. You have you know so much. You know the fix, current call. There's so much stuff you guys can be checking out. Go check it all out. If, you know on this great weekend. With that being said, I'm Daniel J. Stay the Steelers, Steel Current Network. Peace. Mm-hmm.